1: You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from denverstiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates, from denverstiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Today's Monday episode of the show is going to be on the win over the Charlotte Hornets. It was kind of a fun game on a lot of different levels. Some good notes out of it. On one level, it's because the Denver Nuggets continue to roll. The hottest team in the NBA, the best team in the NBA, and now all the way up to 26-11. and 11. I mean, this is this season has just been so surreal. Um, a lot of us sort of knew that the team had this in them. Whether or not – they, they've kind of – my prediction coming into the season was that the Nuggets were going to be really 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 good in April. I thought they would be a 7 a 6 or 7 seed um, but they would be more like a 3 or 4 seed by the end of the year. It's just that when you I figured there would be more ups and ups and downs but you know and it's still early there's still half the season to go but the Nuggets just look like a team that's good. Just just a really really good team and I got some things I would, i'll probably try to put out in the in the upcoming weeks but they get their fifth straight win they sit atop the western conference standings they are now three losses ahead of the two seed which is just it just blows my mind they could go on a three-game losing streak and still be tied for first in the and then in the western conference um and then as i mentioned well i guess they have the second best record in the nba 26 and 11 the milwaukee bucks 27 and 11 slightly better but um but, yeah, this team was this team is just rolling right now, and this was a fun game. It was a fun night at Pepsi Center, and not just because it was our charity event night. Again, we've talked about this a lot, so I'll make it brief, but this was really a special night for a lot of people uh, at, at Pepsi Center, a lot of people that deserved it. It was really great to meet some of the families, some of the kids, um, and, and and just kind of see. It's cool what this, what this sport, what this podcast, and what this site can do. So a special thank you to everybody that contributed and made for such a fun event. The feedback uh, already coming in, but um, as always, this means so much to these families and to these kids. I know a, a mega Jamal Murray fan was able to meet Jamal Murray and take a photo with him. I know that was really cool. Tori Craig spent a bunch of time with him as he was getting his warm-up on. I mean, he probably spent like 10 minutes, with 10, 15 minutes with these kids, so he was absolutely incredible. So really, really cool day, uh, fun day. Don't forget that our watch party is this Saturday. I hope to see you out there Saturday at 7 o'clock um, you probably want to get there by 630 if you want to like grab a seat or a, ta- you know, a table. Um, there's lots of room in here. I think the place holds over 450 people at the Cherry Cricket on Blake Street. But it's just going to be a really fun event. Watch the Denver Nuggets. Alex English will be there signing autographs. I'll be there. The Denver Stiffs will be there. Uh, it'll just be a good time. The, the broadcast crew will be there. So tell your friends if they're not going with you. Keep an eye out on the broadcast. You'll make it on. But let's go ahead and get into this, because I want to talk about all of these notes. My first note, the same starters. (laughs) This is just so – I'm done making predictions. I'm now two games behind. Um, Two games ago, I thought the Nuggets would put Gary Harris and Paul Millsap back into the starting lineup. They have not done that. And I have to ask, is Michael Malone superstitious? Because, you know, I know he's a numbers guy. He even cited some numbers. He knows, he even talked about. I know that Gary Harris and Paul Millsap are starters, but you know, Denver's on a five game winning streak and they're rolling right now. And I would argue they are rolling in spite of their starting lineup, not because of Denver. Actually, it's this is a wild stat, but two of their top four most used five man lineups are actually a net negative. And it's it's wild of course at the start of the year both of them involved Tory Craig but at the start of the year you know they went with Tory Craig alongside Paul Millsap for uh, um, for so long uh before trying to make a switch up and that they kept winning so they kept sticking with it but it, they were winning in spite of that lineup not because of it ultimately they lose a game and then they make the switch same thing hap- happening right now I think is that they have this lineup that involves Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic is always starters. Wancho has been that small forward since you know for quite a while, um, but then they have Torrey Craig and Mason Plumley in there. Who you know I like both players. Both players have a role on this team, but I just don't like them in the starting lineup, especially together. It it diminishes I think so much of what Denver does well. And, again, they just have kept going with it, and that's one of their four worst lineups um, or, a, or a net negative lineup despite the fact that Denver is this awesome team. So I, <laughs> I'm i going to predict it again, I guess. I'm going to predict that the Nuggets change their starting lineup uh, going into the Houston game. I certainly think it would be the right move, but this was another game where it was very noteworthy that the Nuggets stuck with their same lineup. Um, now, with, no matter what lineup is on the court – Right now, the Denver Nuggets are really falling into a really nice groove offensively. Not every time down court, but more and more frequently are they falling into these possessions where the ball just pops. I mean, the ball is absolutely popping for the Nuggets right now. Um, I have compared this team to the Golden State Warriors just in terms of how they move the ball and how quickly they can move the, these furious passes, but I think the better... Comparison for them, rather than the Warriors, is probably the 2014 Spurs. If you remember the Spurs, the beautiful game, as as they called it, um, the Spurs were just all in such a nice rhythm. No guy was looking to get theirs. They were all just sort of working on the same page, where it really felt like five guys getting the most out of each other. Uh, that's what the Nuggets feel like. Not all of the time, but more and more frequently it just feels like okay all five guys know where they're supposed to be they're passing they're unselfish they're not it's not that, it's not even it almost gets to a point where it's not about selfish or unselfish it's just they know what the right read is and that's what they're trying to do and um uh, there are moments in this game where that really really stands out tory craig needs a shout out he is shooting 39 percent from the three-point line over the last 10 games on, I believe, four attempts per game. So his shot has really started to fall, and that's it for him. Um, there's other – you know, I still don't think he's a, a my favorite off-ball player. I still would put several of the other guys on the roster as the off-ball player. But he is such a good defender that if he can just stand in the corner and knock down shots, he has a role on this team. And he has done that over the last 10 games at a very high level – uh, 39% is more than enough, uh, and it just I think that gives you a lot of confidence for him. Whatever his role may be going forward, it gives you confidence that he is the capable guy to step up and knock down that shot, in addition to all the other things that he does, like grab offensive rebounds, die for loose ball, and defend the other team's best backcourt player. The Hornets were killing Denver in that double high pick-and-roll. To start the game, they got a lot of buckets and a lot of good looks, even when they didn't get buckets off that double high pick-and-roll because – I don't know, you know, Denver would aggressively sort of trap the ball in those chase over the screen and trap the ball. Well, when you do that, there's one guy rolling and one guy popping, and Mason Plumlee in most instances would be the guy there. So uh, Jokic would be the inside guy. He would go to tra- attack the, the ball handler and trap or or to, to show on the pick-and-roll. Jamal Murray would chase over, and that would leave Mason Plumlee with two guys. And this always happens in a double high screen. Um, but when one guy pops and one guy rolls – Mason Plumley would have to sort of try to split the difference and then guys would have to recover quickly. Well, that wasn't happening. Guys weren't recovering. Mason Plumley had to pick one or the other and Kemba Walker did a great job of just taking passing the ball to whichever guy Mason Plumley did not pick. So Denver to stymie that they called a timeout. And it wasn't as much of an issue after that, but one of the things they just have to do a little bit better, I think. In that is, Murray and Jokic have to either contain the ball better so that that pass can't get through. Which is when they're great point guards, that's that's easier said than done. And a, and a quick point guard like him, if you try to trap too aggressively, he'll go around, the, especially go around the big, and then you really are screwed because then he's attacking downhill. Um, so it's hard to contain and keep the pass, keep him from making the pass. But I think there could be a better effort done by Denver on that department, especially between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, of not letting that pass get out, or at least not getting it early. And then, of course, recovering quicker on the screen. That's another thing. When we talk about Jokic being a good defender, but he still struggles with certain aspects of the pick and roll, one of the things I think he can clean up is just how quickly he releases from showing on those screens back to his man, because some guys, as Kemba Walker was doing, was really punishing him um, by not w- when Jokic wasn't quick to sort of recover. It felt like in this game, the ball just bounced unfavorably for Denver for a lot of this game. I, I, you know, Denver, I, I'm so encouraged with where Denver is right now. I, not just the record, but really the way they are playing. Like I said at the open of this, I, they're just playing at a level that I thought they would be at in April, not not in January. And especially not in January after missing so many guys due to injury. So. But tonight you are or I'm sorry on Saturday night you might not have noticed it or it might have felt a little bit more clunky and defensively that certainly was the case they're still rusty on that end of the floor and they still have a long way to go to getting back to where they were to start the year but offensively, they just got so many looks. I felt like the ball kept bouncing away from them tonight. And that happens – I mean, basketball is such a random sport, but it just felt like there was a lot of rebounds that they were in great position for but didn't get, a lot of loose balls they were in great position for but didn't get. And, you know, just a lot of things. Guy dives on the floor, almost has it. They get the ball and get an easy shot out of. There's just so many of those. So the fact that Denver won this one and won it so easily despite the ball not bouncing in their favor, uh, I, I think it's just such a, such a good sign. Um, Jokic took 10 field goal attempts in the first quarter of this game which, you know, he was obviously very aggressive this entire game shot 29 times, which is a career high um, but I, again, I think a lot of what people call aggressive, I think Jokic looks at as opportunistic. You know, Juancho Hernan Gomez only had a handful of shots in this game. I think a lot of that is because this was one of those games where um, Charlotte said, OK, Jokic, you're the guy tonight. Let's let's stay home on shooters. Let's see if he can beat us. And of course, he puts up 39 points and the Nuggets beat him. So he was aggressive, yes, in this game and that he wasn't passing up shots. He shouldn't. But you know me, I'm of the opinion that he rarely passes up shots uh, that he should take. So tonight, I just thought the opportunity the defense played him for him to take the shots and he did for reference though he has seven games this season where he has taken 10 shots or fewer or fewer than 10 shots so 10 in the first quarter alone that just kind of shows you how unique of a game this was for Jokic it was great to see Gary Harris making passes in the pick and roll he's I've talked about this a lot in the past but he's just gotten so good at it and he had five assists in this game in 25 minutes man it's just so good to have him back he him making passes like that I am just I cannot wait for the lineup with everybody fully healthy because if Denver has 3 elite or, or even just above average options both as a pat, uh, as a spot up shooter and as a pick and roll playmaker, oh my god, Denver's offense is just going to be unguardable. Um he had – there was a 10-pass possession. When I talk about Denver getting in a groove, and it's not just like one guy. It's just they kind of all just get on the same wavelength. They get in these these grooves where they're all just sort of like playing together. Well, they had a play in the second quarter. Jokic is on the bench. Mason Plumley's out there. Ten passes, three three dribbles in the possession. The ball touched both corners, both elbows, went in the paint twice, uh, and then ends with a layup. There actually should have been an and one. It was just one of those beautiful possessions where you think about it, ten passes and three dribbles, and those dribbles weren't like dribbles at the basket. Those were just like dribbles sort of like steadying to go into a DHO. So ten passes, ten times the team just working together to get somebody open, and they end up getting a wide-open layup. It was it's just absolutely incredible. Um Jokic had a turnover in the second quarter that I want to kind of bring up, and I wish I had more time that I could do a video breakdown on this. But there was one that it really looked awful, looked like he was forcing the ball in a spot where the defense was sort of sitting and waiting, and they were. And as I mentioned, this isn't an excuse for Jokic. It it was a bad pass, and he should have seen that backline defender, almost like a safety um, in football. But the reason the safety was there was because he was guarding, or rather not guarding, Trey Lyles. And I've talked about this an awful lot. Trey Lyles is really bad off-ball. Both uh, For starters, because he's not a spot-up shooter. And so defenders can feel like they can sneak off him as much as they do, including in this moment. But he's also not a good off-ball player because he doesn't know how to... To take advantage of when a defender is 10, 12, 13 feet off of you. There's so many possessions where he just stands there and allows his man to be free safety. If your man is in free safety, if you're on the weak side and your man is disrupting everything, you got to do something to to make him pay for it. You, I've talked about how you can go down to the dunker. You can set a pin down screen so that you free up another shooter who's better than you. You can put yourself in position to receive a, an easier pass or, or you can just – make the distance that your guy has to cover even greater. So if you're at one spot on the court, your guy is 10 feet off of you, go to a spot that makes him 15 feet off of you because now he's even more out of position for whatever comes next. He's, he's just not very good at that, um, and, and and it really shows both statistically and in, um, in plays like this. Ironically enough, Wancho has been off of his shot. I was looking today, Wancho Hernan Gomez – has the fourth-highest offensive rating in the entire NBA. Offensive rating is how many points your team scores per 100 possession when you're on the court – um, the Nuggets – so when he's on the court, the Nuggets have the fourth highest offensive rating of any player, any single player, any lineup that features any single player. And I don't think that's a coincidence. If you watched him play, I don't think you would say, oh, yeah, of course. You'd guess number one offensive players. Maybe you'd guess Jokic. You would guess uh, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, guys like Kemba Walker, whatever. These elite scorers, ball-in-their-hand scores. But when you have a talent like Nikola Jokic and Mason Plumley at center, when you have so many shooters as the Nuggets do – What you need are guys that just know how to play basketball and how to make the help side pay. I mean, think of Wancho's number one most elite skill, in my opinion, is that he knows how to make the defense play when they don't guard him, or he knows how to force the defense to guard him and take away one defender. And So I'm not surprised that he has the fourth highest offensive rating in the league. This is no surprise to me because he is such an elite fifth option, and even when he's not knocking down shots, he still knows what to do to take away one defender in the paint Um, And and that pass I was talking about with Lyles is such an elite example of that because he is the opposite of Wancho in that regard. One thing Jokic has been doing a lot more of recently, um, really since that second San Antonio game, is making quick reads in the post. And I don't know if this was something the coaching staff went over with him, something he just went over watching film by himself. But he is really starting to be um, – When he catches that ball in the post, rather than sit and read the defense and wait for something to happen, he'll attack quickly and try to go one way or the other and get the defender off balance. And again, I don't know if that was a function of tonight. The, uh, The Hornets were playing him straight up, so maybe he felt like that was the way to attack him on this specific night, but it's something I've noticed over the last couple games from him. Kemba was doing some damage in transition. Denver still struggles against guys like Kemba, Russell Westbrook, guys who are just so quick, and they did not do a very good job of containing him in transition in this game. I thought Jamal Murray had one of his best games as a facilitator in this game. Really some well-timed, extremely well-timed passes, well-placed pocket passes in the pick-and-roll. And And to me, he shot three of 13, I believe. Yeah, three of 13, so he he wasn't – that efficient as a scorer but seven assists and just two turnovers I I thought he did a really really good job maybe his best job of the season of sort of point guarding what we consider point guarding getting the ball where it's supposed to go especially in the pick and roll and he delivered a couple easy buckets for Jokic and that's part of why Jokic went off so much in this game was he was getting the ball in good spots on the pick and roll so I actually thought this was a good game from Jamal Murray even if he didn't shoot the ball well. Uh, He ended the half with four solid minutes of the starters uh, plus Wancho. So Gary Harrison, Millsap in there, Wancho with the three, and then, of course, Jokic and Murray. And it sucks because they got, I went back and watched it two times because I just wanted to see, you know, how they, they got A-plus shots every single down, time down and just couldn't convert them. And this is what I talk about, about the ball just not bouncing. Wancho missed, I think, an open shot. Um, Jamal Murray missed a layup, a wide open layup, uh, just shot it too far. It was a little bit of a tough angle. But it was just stuff like that kept happening in that one. But I loved the way that lineup looked. And I'm going to save it for a little bit later, but it was interesting to see four minutes of that. They did not go back to that lineup. Um, 15 missed shots in the paint in the first half is an interesting stat. Again, I talk about the ball just didn't fall for them in this game, but they got great looks and and couldn't convert. Second half, Jokic gets another coast-to-coast dunk. This is becoming a trend now. He's the king of the coast-to-coast. Okay, he's not the king of the coast-to-coast. But anyway, he had another coast-to-coast dunk, and that was a lot of fun. Um... Jokic did so much of his work on the offensive glass in this game. He had eight offensive rebounds. He had twelve rebounds total, and eight of them on the offensive end. It's pretty rare to have more offensive rebounds than defensive rebounds, but he just he saw something in in it today, and and also with Denver missing as many shots as they did, there was a lot of opportunities. Plumley had this play in the second or the third quarter where, and I've talked about this a lot, but he had another one here where he switched a pick and roll onto Kemba for no reason, and it was interesting because it was he was on Graham and uh, Tori Craig was on Kemba, and you think, okay, that's a mismatch. Graham is quicker than Plumley, but whatever, leave that be. Well, then they just walk into a handoff, and rather than try to fight through, Plumley just switches onto Kemba, and then of course Graham gives the ball to Kemba. Kemba goes by. Uh, right by Plumlee. Craig overhelps because, of course, he has to overhelp. Plumlee has no chance of guarding Kemba. And then you give up a wide-open three. And I talk about this a lot. I don't understand. Maybe the numbers bear this out. I am not privy to these types of detailed numbers about how often what's the opponent's point per possession when Denver switches versus when they, this guy switches or whatever, but it just seems to me like Plumlee is switching way too much. Uh, I think Torrey Craig sometimes helps way too much uh, up top on these types of one pass away things, and that was an interesting possession where you got both of them and it gave up a three-pointer that really swung a lot of momentum. The inverted pick and roll between Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic is one of the most deadly plays in all of basketball right now. And they're doing it more and more frequently, especially in transition. Murray will go and hit Jokic. Jokic will be bringing the ball up the court. Murray will sort of just pin Jokic's defender on a screen. And it just it's so hard to defend that. It's funny, Jokic talked about it after the game, and he said Murray uh, hates doing that. He he, he 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 said. Somebody asked him about that that specific half, and he goes, "Oh, let me tell you guys something. Murray absolutely hates doing that. He does not like to be that guy. So uh, it's kind of funny because it's such a deadly weapon. They're so good at it, and you have to give you have to tip your hat to Jamal Murray. Being his build." and setting screens on guys like Bismack Biombo is not fun. That level of physicality for a guy that's that much bigger, stronger than you, um, that's got to be a drag. But it works in part because bigs are not used to guarding the ball handler in pick and roll. Little guys are not used to guarding the screener in pick and roll. That's a very awkward action. But then on top of that, they're, just, they're both just so good at it. Murray releases for open shots if they try to double the ball or trap the ball, and that's automatic. If they try to both stick to Curry, Jokic is just so good with his handle and getting to his spot, he doesn't turn the ball over. He, he rarely gets steals off of that play. Um, so it's just such a good option, and more often than not, it'll cause a switch or just for them to fall behind immediately in the offense. So a real, real weapon for Denver. Uh, I always forget. I just have a note in here, and I don't even know what it's about. It just says I always forget how good Gary Harris is. He he has moments where you're just like, God, that guy's so good. Might be the second best player on the Nuggets roster. So the fact that they missed him for so long just tells you how how good this team can be. This was one of the better games, I thought, in recent memory of the Plumlee can play just like Jokic off of the bench idea. Uh, He was a great facilitator in this game, and Denver, I thought, I, I mentioned that player in the second half where Jokic was on the bench and they had that 10 passes. There just was a lot of those tonight, and I think Mason Plumlee, we've seen him sort of segue into the hustle guy, especially as he's played more and more minutes alongside Nikola Jokic. But tonight I thought he had a nice blend of being both the hustle guy for those minutes he plays with Jokic, but the minutes he played without, he went into being the old Mason Plumley, who was the facilitator, and he had five assists tonight because of it. So this was one of the better games for that. I have a note in here. Nuggets, the Nuggets subbed Malik Beasley into the game with 1.9 seconds left to end the third quarter for defensive purposes. Put him on Malik Monk. They took Monte Morris out because Beasley is bigger and in theory in 1.9 seconds should be a better defender. But of course, Beasley got, there was one pin down screen and Beasley got caught on it and Monk hits a three to end the quarter. Now, a pin down screen, sure, mildly difficult to get over, but it wasn't. On rewatch, he just he runs into the screen for whatever reason, and and Monk gets a wide open three at the top of the key. It's one of those plays where he has to avoid that screen. It should not be hard to avoid a pin down screen with 1.9 seconds left. There's no other option for for the offense. You know you can trail. Um, the wing or the shooter, which in this play- place it was so clear it was going to be Malik Monk, you know you can trail him. And Malik. the fact that Malik Beasley didn't give up that three, it's, it's one of those plays I talk about where he's so talented and skilled, but he makes mistakes that are just so head-scratching and they cost real actual points that it almost cancels out all of the good stuff that he does. And, and that was a pr- prime example of it. Monte's three-pointer to start the fourth quarter felt clutch. That was a really big – I talk about how there's clutch baskets at all points of the game, not just the final minutes or whatever. He has been in a big slump over the last couple of games, but he knocks down a triple right off of the bat, and it pushed the lead from five points to eight points. So when you start a quarter with that gut punch of a three by Malik Monk that cut the the lead down to five, then you open up and you get that three right back. To me, that was one of those like mini momentum changers that was really important. He then hit another one a minute later, so he had back-to-back three-pointers that were huge, and it was good to see. Maybe now he is out of that little mini slump that he was in. It only lasted three or four games, but um, you know it's one of those things you'd hate to see carry on and carry on, so maybe he got his his mojo back. Headband Paul, I, I'd say he always hits timely threes, and he hit another one in this game to push the lead to 12 just a couple minutes later. He doesn't hit all the threes, but he does seem to have a knack for knocking them down when it matters, uh, and, and this game was no different. Jamal Murray has been really good lately passing out of the post. I like Jamal Murray in the post. He has good footwork in the post. Uh, He has good technique and he has a good fall away shot, so I'd kind of like to see him go to it a little bit more. But more importantly he's been passing out of the post a lot. I talk about the inverted pick and roll. Well this is sort of an inverted play too. Usually your center is posting up and your shooter is spotting up. Well this time you have Murray uh, posting up and you have Jokic out on the perimeter spotted up. He hits him right in stride for a nice step in three and it's just cool. The Nuggets are so fun because they do so many things that teams just don't face at any other point in the year, including post up their point guard and kick out to their center. This team is so fun. They're they're so unique and so fun. They closed with Malik Beasley instead of Gary Harris. I think that's noteworthy. Uh, Again, I think that had more to do with just the minute shakedown, and you know, Gary played a lot of minutes to start the fourth, so I I think it was just they didn't want to play him the entire fourth straight. Um, So they went with Malik Beasley. Uh, We'll see if that continues. If Gary doesn't start, we'll see if he closes uh, tomorrow night in Houston. And then... Tory Craig made a few hustle plays down the stretch. He always makes hustle plays. I mean, that's one thing you never question with him. But he had that play where he jumped over the the front row, the courtside seats, to save the ball. It ended up not working out for, a, for a, a bucket, but still it was a great play and the crowd got into it. Well, it was fun that he essentially got the – Uh, the the hammer, the the close the door on this team dunk in transition shortly after. So he had probably the two plays that most got the crowd up out of their seat. And uh, I was happy for him to see him get that.
2: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? they'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
1: I wanted to close by talking about the rotation coming up in the starting lineup, I, I, again, I I keep being wrong on this, so maybe I'm wrong again, but I suspect that Denver will start um, Gary Harris and Paul Millsap to, uh, this next game. We'll kind of wait and see what happens, but um, that there is still a question about who occupies that final spot until Will Barton comes back, and so I want to talk about the starting lineup with Will Barton, with Malik Beasley, with Torrey Craig, and with Juancho Hernan Gomez and sort of the differences that you see in, in those lineups. I think that Michael Malone's decision will have almost, if not as much to do with the rotation behind those guys as it does to who actually starts. I don't know that Malone actually cares who the, the like, oh, how good is this five guys together as much as he cares about, well, I don't want to be in a position where I don't know who to play behind them or I get a couple ugly lineups behind them. Now, quick, quick note, one of the other things to sort of think about when you're talking about the starting lineup is... The Nuggets have a five-man lineup that I think is absolutely best. Obviously, it's Barton when he's here, um, and then I, personally, I'm going to talk either Wancho or Malik, but I I would go with Wancho uh, as that as that fifth guy. And you can, there is a question about whether the Nuggets have a death lineup, like the the Warriors' death lineup, where maybe it's not your starters but it is sort of your hammer. You play that lineup for six minutes a game only, but in those six minutes, you totally screw up what the other team does. You have them fretting about it and building their rotation around that six minutes, and, and in that six minutes, you outscore them by 10 and you put them away. There's an argument to be made that maybe that's what Malone looks at, and he he knows he can have these great lineups, but he wants to save them for small doses and have a lot of overlap otherwise. Or there's the argument that, you know, this is your best five-man lineup. Your starters almost always play more minutes together than any other lineup in a game so wouldn't you want your best lineup to be your best guys I fall into that category but I would understand if somebody felt differently and thought well we can have some pretty good lineups throughout the game and then six minutes of this great lineup that we put teams away with so keep that in the back of your head but let's talk about it real quick the lineup that features Malik Beasley as the fifth guy has by far the fewest total minutes. Just 45 minutes if we look at not just this season, but last season. Because the sample size are so small, I want to go with both um you, you know, I want to go look at last year and this year. Obviously I think this year will be a little bit better because all of these players other than Millsap are a little bit better. But nonetheless, I think that you know this this data is noisy enough that why not add another noisy indicator? But they have a hundred possessions played with Malik Beasley as the, as that fifth starter they have outscored opponents by 19 points 18.9 to be exact 18.9 points per 100 possessions with that lineup or i guess uh, put another way they've outscored them by yeah 19 points per uh in those 100 possessions because they have one fewer defensive possession that it, it throws things off a little bit their offensive rating is 121 points Uh, Which means they score 121 points per 100 possession with them, which is straight fire. That is an incredibly insane lineup. 121 points per 100 possessions. So that lineup has been very, very good, but on small sample size. Here's what I see out of that lineup going forward if, if they are to give that one a go. Malik Beasley brings a lot of athleticism. He's the most athletic player on the team. The Nuggets play at a faster pace when he is on the court than any other player. So a lot of that has to do with he's so fast in transition and so explosive. A lot of that has to do with when you think about Denver's offense and how everybody spaces the floor and everything so nicely, when you have that one guy that's a super explosive athlete, just think about it. Denver gets four or five passes, and the defense now falls a half step behind. Well, if you have a slow player – a half step on a one dribble drive move from the th- from the wing to the basket maybe the defense can catch up when you have an explosive player You start off a half step ahead and you end a step and a half ahead. And I think that's one of the things that um, can happen with Malik Beasley in the lineup is he's just so quick that finishing plays, you almost need less of an advantage in the half court. He's also shooting lights out from the basketball over the last 10 games. And, you know, maybe that's sustainable, maybe with more set shots. I think he's done a great job this year of being a fifth option. I've talked about how he simplified his game. And I think in that lineup, he certainly would not try to do too much with the basketball basketball. There's a real case to be made for Malik Beasley being that guy as a starter. Now, you take him off the bench, what do you lose? Well, you lose that athleticism, but if you talk about a second lineup that features Torrey Craig, Juancho Hernan Gomez, and Mason Plumley, and maybe even Tra- Trey Lyles, that's still a lot of athleticism. Um, so the second unit, I don't think you really sacrifice a whole lot personally from having him in that second unit. And his role, by the way, in the second unit and first unit is pretty much the same. Maybe he can be a little bit more aggressive off the dribble in the second unit, but I don't, I don't actually think it matters that much. Let's go over to Tory Craig for contrast. They have played 151 minutes with him as the uh, the third or the fifth starter there, and in those 151 minutes they have outscored opponents by 6 points. So not great, but still good. Still a positive. A lot better than being negative um they have an offensive rating of 105 so 121 points per 100 possessions for Beasley 105 points per 100 possessions for when Craig is in that lineup that is an enormous drop off and I'll just tell you right now not to spoil it that is 10 points per 100 possessions worse than the second worst person of the the four so it is clear as day that the Nuggets uh offense takes a huge step backwards when he is the fifth starter um now, he has knocked down his shot. Maybe you could make an argument over the next, you know, that he's he's a different player now and he's starting to shoot and he's in a groove. And, again, all of these sample sizes are on even 151 minutes, 300 possessions. That's Even that's not that many. But it's enough to kind of say, and, and it matches the eye test, that when he is in there alongside another just non-elite stretch, so um, uh, Paul Millsap as the power forward, He qualifies as that, even though he can knock down the three-pointer. When you play Torrey Craig and Paul Millsap together, that's two guys that are sub-elite floor spacers. um, Then it really can make the offense a lot clunky. So the defense gets better. He has a one out of three defensive rating when he's on the court, which is actually about on par. (laughs) Ironically enough, it's on par with most of the other players, other than Wancho. But it's um. So, so it's. I don't know that you add a whole lot defensively there, and I'm just not sure he's the right guy. So, to me, he would be the one guy that if he was the the, the small fo- starting small forward once Gary and Paul Millsap returned to the lineup, I would be very disappointed in that, and I think it'd be the one wrong answer out of uh, out of the four. I think there's three right answers and one wrong answer. Let's go to Juancho Hernan Gomez. He has played 161 minutes, so 10 more minutes than uh, Torrey Craig. 100 and 20 more minutes than Malik Beasley at, at the starter, 333 possessions. So we call this a medium sample size, especially for a five-man lineup. That's a medium sample size. And they have a net rating of plus 7.8. They are outscoring opponents by 7.8 points per 100 possessions, which is very, very good. Um, he has a 115.6 offensive rating, which is very, very good. That would be right around the top of the NBA, if, if not the top. So, the Nuggets offense has been straight fire when you go with your starters plus Juancho Hernan Gomez. It has been incredible. Uh, defensively, there's a big falloff. He is the worst of the four defenders. The Nuggets are the worst of the four defenders when he is on the court, but they are so great offensively that it, it doesn't matter. It, it, it seems to make up for it. And again, we're talking about a fairly the best sample size of all of these guys. He's played the most minutes there and it stayed pretty steady. And again, They've gone to that lineup now two times in the last three games, and he has not made a single shot. He's gotten great looks and just has been in a slump. So maybe you could even tack on a couple other, you know, if he can find his groove again. So, again, I think there's three good options, and he would be my preferred option until Will Barton comes back. And let's finish with Will Barton. 110 minutes, 232 possessions over the last two years. They are, drum roll, please, a plus 32.6 <laughs> net rating. That's absolutely insert That's better than the 96 Bulls. That's better than the 2016 Warriors. There's it's it's insane how good that is. That number is. Now again, I, I have to preface 110 10 minutes is a small sample size. That's not even medium. That's a small sample size. 232 possessions is a small sample size. But it's not so small that it's completely meaningless. There's some excellent indicators in there. And if it was merely good. I think you could say, okay, small sample size. If it was merely very good or even great, you could say, okay, small sample size. But it's absolutely insane. The Nuggets are outscoring opponents by 32.6 points per 100 possessions when they're on the court. If you just imagine them playing 15, 16 minutes per game, they would be outscoring opponents by like 13 or 14 points. So this is just absolutely insane that Will Barton is this good. When people tell talk to me about, oh, they don't miss Will Barton, look at their record, I just say Will Barton only played six quarters and the Nuggets were so dominant in those six quarters with him that people don't realize just how good they can be. So I say all of that. You know, Barton will be the starter whenever he gets back, so this will always end right. And I think Barton will be back within a few games, so maybe the next six or seven games he is not the starter. Uh, A couple of those maybe he just misses outright. A couple of those maybe he starts out on the bench. Um, But when he gets back, there's no question he'll be the starter, and it will be the best thing for this team. In the meantime, I don't think you can go wrong with Beasley or Wancho. I think Tory Craig, while not a horrible option, is certainly far and away the worst option of the three. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow recapping the game against the Houston Rockets, which should be an interesting one. I think Denver has a slight chance in this one, but it's a good measuring stick to see if they've fixed any of the weaknesses they've had over the last couple of years. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.
2: Wilson,
0: you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar.
2: How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense.
0: Go to grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.